Welcome to Wellness Connections with the Solutions Group, a passionate team of health and wellness experts that believe every workplace and every community can be a wellness avenue for positive change in the physical and emotional health of individuals. Our experience in workplace wellness inspired us to bring this passion and knowledge to the podcast stage. Sharing real-world stories and science-based practices, your wellness is an ongoing act of creation and we hope to inspire you on that journey. Welcome back to Wellness Connections with the Solutions Group. My name is Shane Schumann, and today co-hosting with me is going to be Ana Hernandez. Joining us as our special guest today is going to be Brian King. Brian is a senior data analyst for the Solutions Group. He has studied business, economics, art literature, and philosophy at Texas Tech. He's originally from Kansas, but has been here in New Mexico since 1994. In Brian's spare time, he enjoys drawing, painting, and he's a self-published comic book artist. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to speak with you. Thanks, Brian. So we start each one of our podcasts by asking our guests the same question because it gives us some you know, background about you know, what's important to you, kind of what you value. But who or what is your biggest inspiration around wellness? I'm going to give you a, a unique answer, I think, today, and that is Father Time has been my inspiration. As I've uh, gotten older, I've realized that uh, I have to take better care of myself. And uh, because I'm not bouncing back like I used to in my, my 20s or my 30s. And it's, it's interesting that I'm realizing that being in better health right now is not only good for me, it's also good for my family because I want to be around as long as I can. So it's important that I take very good care of myself and uh, make sure that I eat right, exercise as much as I can. You know, everyday activities sometimes get in the way, family issues, but you know, for the most part, uh, a good regimen of good diet and exercise has, has been um, something that I've been focused on for about the last eight years. And I think I'm in a much better place than I was whenever I was in my 40s. Hmm. So I'm aging myself, of course. <laughs> well, no, I think, and so here, here's what I'm curious about, because you said that you feel like that's been really a focus for you over the last eight years. Today, actually, it's March 11th, 2021, as we're recording this, and it marks kind of the year anniversary of the onset of like the quarantine and COVID-19. Do you feel like you doubled down the last year on mm. your health and your wellness? Because I feel like a lot of people have... Um, maybe making made their health a greater priority or their wellness as a function of COVID. Do you feel like it's, you know, been even more of um, a focus for you or do you feel like it was already really, um, you know, strong in terms of your practices? I think my practices were strong, but my approach to it has had to change. Uh, going to the gym every day and doing like kickboxing classes and jujitsu uh, instruction obviously can't happen right now with gyms and and no the dis social distancing. So I've had to convert my one half of my garage into my gym, which has uh, a heavy bag and weights. And so my my routine is still the same in that I'm working out specific days. 
but now I'm, I'm doing it in an environment that's not as comfortable. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say I'm not working out any harder than I was before. I'm the, the barrier is being inspired to continue to do it because when you're at home, you can always find something else to do. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so procrastination or putting it off, it's, you know, the first six months of doing it, once I had everything set up was easy. It's been when it got cold mm -hmm. and the garage isn't heated, it's really hard to get motivated to go out to a 40 degree garage and, and do the exercise routines that I do. But I, I did it and, and it was um, somewhat motivating to, to say, I'm doing it. I'm continuing to do it. I haven't changed my schedule. I've only changed what I'm actually doing. So um, it's important mentally because when I took a, I had to take a week off because I had, I had hurt myself. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Never wear a 25 pound weight vest uh, when you're doing certain things. Jump kicks are not good with a 25 pound weight vest on. Uh -huh. So I, I hurt myself and had to take a week off. And by the end of that week, it had uh, put a mental impression on me that somehow I was missing something. Mm -hmm. ah. I hadn't changed physically, but in my mind I had. So I had to get back to it. It becomes so ingrained in you that if you miss, you almost feel like there's like you're you're going backwards. And yeah. I don't like that feeling. Yeah, I think a lot of us who are, you know, workout junkies or gurus or even, or even just the occasional person who goes, you know, three to five times a week, they really don't put as much emphasis on the mental health portion of it and how important that is and how how much of an impact it makes on your life. And I've recently realized that. Like I told my wife the other day, I said, honestly. I haven't had a bad workout in a very long time because I think as long as I go in and get my body moving, mm -hmm. I leave, I feel better. I'm in great mood. I come home. I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad. And so I think that mental health aspect that you touch on is a huge key component to just living a, a life of health and wellness. So good point. And my goal uh, before the, the pandemic hit was to reach 160 pounds. And mm -hmm. I know for, for some people that's like, well, that should be easy. It's like, well, when you hover around 155, 156, adding four to five pounds is not easy. Uh, I ate a lot. I, I ate so often that I got tired of eating. <laughs> no, seriously, I got Double. tired of eating. It, you know, I got tired of eating and then I, I would go and work out and the types of workouts I did were more cardio. So it's harder to, to keep the weight. Um, and then I did, I went to weight training. I switched up the cardio for weight training. And then I actually hit the 160. I got the 161. And then, then the event happened. <laughs> and I'm now back down to maintaining 155, 156, because I don't have heavy weights to use. And I think, um, I had to come to grips with that mentally that, you know, this is what I have. As long as I don't go below that, I'm good. And as long as I don't go way above it, where I just kind of let myself go, I should be fine as well. So that's also another mental aspect of, of the, the training. It's, you know, you, you want to reach your goals when you do, you want to maintain those goals. And when you step back, it's kind of, you have to come to grips with is, has your situation changed or have I changed?
and the situation changed, so it was easier to deal with. Well, I think you bring up a good theme, which is um, do what you can in the season that you're in with what you have. And all of us had to shift and pivot in terms of how we practice wellness. You specifically talked about, you know, your exercise approach. Um, but I like that, that even sometimes things do come up like an injury or maybe, you know, there's um, pressing family responsibilities that people will be, you know, oh, black and white about it. Like, oh, I just am not going to do anything at all. But you just have to shift. You had to pivot even after the injury and it's even looking different than it was pre-injury. So I like that you have that theme of like, don't feel like it has to be a complete omission, but how do you pivot? How do you shift and do what you can in the season that you're in? So I really, really love that you bring that to light. So Brian, part of why we invited you and kind of the, the topic and theme that we wanted to speak to you about is um, your background, as she mentioned in your bio, was that you have your background in business, but you also have the creative side that you studied in college around art and philosophy. And there's a lot of research right now about how creativity and being intentional about, intentional about practicing things that foster creativity actually does foster, um, you know, some well-being. So I'd like to first understand kind of some background, like tell us about your creative outlets, first of all, and like when did it start? When did you really develop a passion for those creative outlets? Well, I'll start with your second question and then I'll hit the first question. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say um, in kindergarten, I started doing a lot of just like drawing and, and asking for crayons and, and asking to get art pads instead of getting toys. Mm. Um, and as I got older, as I was going through elementary school, that's all I did was draw and it was it was godzilla king kong because those were the movies at the time that were out so i was really just infatuated with 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 monsters and drawing the monsters to where in fourth grade the teacher sent my teacher sent a note home to my parents asking that i not bring my art pad to school because that's all i did i would just have my art pad and i'd just draw yeah. It was just page after page after page. And, and they were awful drawings, but it was, that's the beginning. That's the stepping stone. It's not like you wake up one day and you're drawing portraits. Everything is just practice, practice, practice. And it's, you know, when people go, well, I have a, I'm not sure what my passion is. I can tell you that in fourth grade, my passion was drawing because that's all I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in 1977, a movie came out that changed everything for me and Star Wars. And I saw it in the theater and I, I saw it, I saw it like 10 times that summer. And, <laughs> and everything shifted from Godzilla King Kong to Star Wars, everything Star Wars. And I was going through drawing pads 50 page drawing pads, maybe four a week. Wow. Jeez. Lots of just, just drawing, just drawing Star Wars and drawing ships and, yeah. and everything. And so that's, and that, that kind of led me to doing more and more. And my drawings got better and better and better until I got to high school. And then once I got into high school, I would, I had a really good art teacher um, when I was in high school that 
that showed me things that allowed me to get noticed, uh, to get uh, half an art scholarship hmm. to the first university I went to, which was UTEP, not far from here. And my, I went and I was drawing a whole lot. Uh, it was something that I really enjoyed doing. Um, but once I started taking the classes, it, it became less enjoyable because you're being told, this is what we want you to draw. So it's almost like you, you don't, un when you're that creative of a, of a person or you think you're that creative, <laughs> you don't realize that they're really honing in on specific things so that you can get even better. So I didn't understand all doing perspectives and a perspective is where you just draw a straight line and like a horizon line and you draw lines off of it and you can, it teaches you to draw circles without just quick. Like I can draw a circle now just real fast because I've drawn thousands of them. And that's what these classes were. And I got bored and, and I, I changed and transferred to Texas Tech and studied business and, and those things, but I never gave up drawing. So I, I always like to draw and, um, you know, and now today um, I'm, I found that um, having it is, is really good for me uh, from the standpoint of I'm finding other things that I like um like uh, i've i'm now buying inexpensive toys at like walgreens or like ten dollars and i repaint them and make them make them look you know customized customized you know more museum quality type looks um buying inexpensive uh nerf guns and repainting them to look like more like you know space movie style type um props so, and, and, you know, and, and that's not really just, just that, I mean, painting miniatures for games and then doing um, some things in, internally that, that we'll, we'll talk about here. Um, it's, it's not just a, an outlet for me. It's just something that I feel like I have to do. You know, it's almost like the workouts. If I don't work out, it doesn't set mentally well with me. And if I'm not drawing or if I'm not doing something creative some at some point in the week, I feel like my skill set gets set back a little bit because you only get better when you practice. Um, I was told by a very good uh, artist, uh, Donnie Cates, uh, who I made a reference on a, on a, on a, in a Twitter post that I said, you know, I wish I was doodling like the way he doodles. And he responded back with, never, never um, compare yourself to other people's work, compare yourself to your last piece of work. So, and that, that said a lot to me because I always want to be as good as everybody else instead of just being the best me, mm. you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that, <laughs> you know, cause you always want to be the best. I'm still have a very competitive side. So I always want to be the best. And, and drawing isn't one of those things that's a competition. It's more of it's who you are and you produce what, what you produce. You gave, us, you gave us a lot to unpack there. But the first thing that really jumped out to me is how you said that once art and your creative outlets became work in college and you became told exactly what to do, 
I think that's a point that discourages a lot of people, you know, and I think that's a lot of times in life where we, some of our hobbies and our, our creative passions drop off because we lose that, that emphasis on it or something just kind of kicks us off kilter and we kind of just forget about it. So we change majors like you did. We go on with life and next thing you know, oh my gosh, I haven't played the guitar in, in five years, you know, me personally, mm-hmm. for example. Um, but so I give you credit for, for keeping that as a part of who you are. And then you continue to say, now, if you don't do it at least once a week or you don't, you know, do a drawing or a doodle or whatever it may be, now it feels like you're missing something in your life. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of dive in and see if I can get something out of you in terms of what mm-hmm. made it so you think you still continued in life, even though you were discouraged. And even though, gosh, is this really for me in terms of, you know, a professional outlet or, or what may be it? What had you continue to keep up your creative passions? Um, I think. It, it, I had a conversation with my aunt, um, my aunt Grace, who worked for Hallmark. She did calligraphy styles and she had her own style of calligraphy, which I'm still learning how to do because her style, nobody had it. And, and so I had a conversation with her um, when I was 30. And, and she said, she said, you may not be doing it full time, but it doesn't mean that you have to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that and, and she goes, when was the last time you did a painting? I said, I haven't picked up a brush in, you know, a few years since, since uh, I graduated from college. And she goes, you know, the one thing you're going to find out is that when when you stop doing something that you had a love for and you pick it back up, that love will come back to you. Mm-hmm. And so I got home and started painting again. And so I haven't stopped. Um, I have a lot of friends who have a lot of original art hanging in their homes right now that I did because I was doing it so much that they would they would come over and they say, "What what have you done lately?" And I'd show them all the paintings and they say, I, "I love this." I'm like, "Take it," you know. I don't I don't put um, I don't put a, a monetary value on on the things I do now because I don't consider myself a professional. I just consider myself somebody who just likes to do it. You know, if somebody sees a value in it and they'd like to have it, then they should have it. I love that. So, okay, I want to dive into this concept of the connection between creativity and well-being. So recently I actually taught a class. It was a two-hour class about resiliency, which is the ability to bounce back when we encounter traumatic events or circumstances. And one of the things that, you know, I've found in my research is that by you know self-care which would be things like the nutrition and movement that you spoke about earlier are parts of being able to be a resilient person but more importantly they actually more and more research is supporting that when we nourish our passions our creativity our you know hobbies that that actually affords us the opportunity to become more resilient so when you speak about how you know it just feels like it's something you like it's not even a choice at this point. It's like it's in your bones to be able to, you know, express yourself in that way. And to Shane's point that you said, you know, that he said, well, I, 
um, commend you that you never let go of that. I mean, it sounds like you had a brief period of time, but I actually heard this one woman speak about how oftentimes people completely let their things that lit them up as children. And if they're confused about like, well, what am I passionate about? Or what would be a hobby for me? She said almost every single person, if they reconnect to what lit them up as a five, six, seven year old, it's mm -hmm. probably still living there. It's just that life can get busy and maybe we just completely shut it down. So for me, that would be dance. It sounds like maybe for Shane, that's music. For other people, it could be fly fishing or it could be the great mm -hmm. outdoors. And so I think the fact that you're you really held on to that i think probably is a part of you know a bigger piece of and the message i see is that it has played a big role in your well-being so can you speak a little bit more about like what benefits have has this hobby brought your personal life your personal well-being and even your professional life well from a from a personal perspective my my hobby has given me a lot of opportunities to meet different people in in the world um like uh doing the self-publishing which shane had brought up earlier uh, i've done comic book publishing editing writing i've done conceptual art uh nothing that is you know uh, uh on on a page so much as i have artists that i work with that that do that but um I do conceptual art and doing this, the comic book writing and the comic book editing has got me uh, in front of that. It's a lot of name drop sounding, but it's, it's not, it's not true. It's not that it's not true. It's, it's true. It's, it's just, there's nothing that has, has come of it, which is why it's a hobby for me. It's not so much. Um, it's not so much. I'm, I'm doing it to improve my professional life. Uh, I'm doing it because I really enjoy writing. Um, I've done, I've written some poetry. I've, I've written, I'm working, working on a child's book, kid's book. Um, I have some comic book um, that's comic books that have been published. I've also edited books that are out there now. Um, and I've met a lot of interesting people. I mean, I'll, I'll name drop a few. Uh, I've met Robert Downey Jr. I've met Ryan Reynolds. I've met Frank Miller. Uh, and for those who aren't familiar with Frank Miller, he's not uh, so much an actor as much as he wrote. He did the 300. He did Sin City. Uh, he did RoboCop, the original RoboCops. He wrote and mm -hmm. drew those. He did the first Bat uh, Dark Knight Returns where this was back in the eighties where Batman and Superman face off, which eventually became a movie later on. Uh, but I've met a lot of people in the industry that have, have like, it's, it's interesting how uh, you, you have, you have this fandom and you, you have this, this is who they are. And when you meet them, they're no different than you sometimes. Mm -hmm. And those that aren't, those are the ones you kind of go, okay, <laughs> I've met them and it was nice to meet them and, and that's about it. Yeah. But like my friends and I who are, who were trying to get into the industry and, and I wouldn't say I'm, I'm fully throwing it out a way that I would never get in there. But, um, you know, we talk about how we have all these great stories and, and no money to show for it, <laughs> but we have great memories and 
you know, going to comic book shows and, you know, and, and meeting people and talking to people about stories and, and, you know, who's the fastest Superman or, or the flash, you know, those yeah. debates, nerd debates, we call them the nerd debates. <laughs> and, um, but it's, it, you know, the, when you speak of resiliency, I think as some people get that mixed up with, with fitness, and I think resiliency for me is more mental fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say they, you bounce back, you know, unless it's, you know, a debilitating injury, physical injury, you're going to bounce back. Mentally, you have to bounce back. Mm-hmm. It's like the quarterback that had knee surgery and he comes back the next season and now he's afraid to get hit. You know, he's got to get past that mm-hmm. to, to keep going. And, you know, I, I think my resiliency is, is I use art as that because it's my escape. I can do whatever I want. I can draw whatever I want and I can write whatever I want. And nobody has to see it but me. And those who do see it, you know, hopefully they enjoy it. But I don't have to share it with everybody. So for me, it's 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 like my own personal world. Mm-hmm. And, and I can go there whenever I want and I can... I can feel good about it and start the next day knowing that I I got out whatever frustrations or whatever I was dealing with. I can do it through writing or drawing and then I'm ready for the next day. I think part of the the mental resiliency, like you touched on, I think it's the stories that kind of help keep us going and keep pushing us forward to the next thing when life knocks us down. And so I love how you brought up who you met and, and what you've done and conferences you've been to and, you know, stories with friends. And I think, you know, you light up when you talk about those things and you, and you make fun of yourself when you say there's nerd debates, but it's, it's those stories that, and those memories that kind of keep you going. And so I think these creative outlets are a way to create some of these memories in our lives and, and highlight points to where we can lean on those in times of stress or in times of hard things. Or again, like you said, just to provide an escape from, from whatever's going on in your life. It's just, we get too caught up in the hustle and bustle. And so I think that's why these creative outlets are super important and why we wanted to bring you on. I mean, you inspire me when you came onto our team. It's like, here's Brian King. He's not just our senior business analyst. He also has this artistic side of him that he shares with us on almost a daily basis, right? You're in a meeting. We see you scribbling some notes. Oh, it turned out Brian wasn't taking notes, but he comes and shows me this cool drawing that he did during this 45 minute meeting, right? Or, you know, shows of a character that, that you've been painting lately and things like that, that just, it humanizes a person, it makes you more personable, and it just lights up the people around you and the people that you work with. So I just want to give you huge credit for all those things and just those memories that you're creating for yourself and for others. You know, you're sharing that experience. Like you said, it's 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 amazing to see in people who who keep up these passions and pursuits outside of the normal normal just hustle and bustle of daily life. Which I would like to touch on, speaking of like sharing it with others. So Brian is part of, we are the employee health and wellness team within Presbyterian Healthcare, but we also have lots of external clients that we offer um, wellness uh, programming to. But this year, over the pandemic, internally for our Presbyterian frontline workers, you were given the opportunity to use your creativity Um in a very nice and creative and also inspirational way. So can you talk a little bit about what you've been doing for the, you know, frontline workers at um, one of our hospitals here in Albuquerque? Well, I was fortunate enough to be selected for the inspiration board team um, 
And it, it was, you know, at first the inspiration board was just talked about is, you know, do we, do we leave messages? What do we do with it? You know, how are we going to reach the people that we want to reach? And, you know, I like, I like to, to draw and I like to, you know, put things together that, that, you know, somebody could look at visually and, and maybe get something from it or, and the, the group put together, uh, we would sit, we sit down uh, about every two weeks and we talk about, well, what's the theme? You know, what's the, what do we want? What do we want them to know? What, we, what do we want them to think about? You know, cause a lot of, a lot of what we put out there isn't just go and do this. It's think about this, you know, you know, you're the frontline workers, you know, I think, you know, thank you is something is, you know, you give them thanks. Thank you for what you're doing. You know, thank you for all your work, but here's, here's who we think you are. And we think you're more than just a thank you. Mm. We think that you have, we, we want you to know that we want, we want you to, to feel appreciated. Um, and, the boards that I do, I, I draw uh, a few boards. I've done, I think four or five and, and each one has, you know, we, we try to have a specific formula for, for the board. And, and I know that sounds kind of generic, but you have to, cause you have to deliver a message and, and you want to make sure that that message not only is, is seen, received and understood, but that it means something. And so we really put time into to selecting what that quote is. We try to find a quote and then we try to, around that quote, we ask people to do three things, whether it be something physical or something mental or something family oriented. Um, we want them to think about doing three things. And one of, you know, one that stands out with me was one of the first ones that we did, which was on your drive home, play your favorite song on your way home. Mm -hmm. Some, you know, that sounds pretty standard, but you'd be surprised that when you're walking out of a building out of a rough day, that's probably one of the last things that you're thinking about. You're just thinking about getting home. And when you read that, we're hoping that when, when they read that, that they're, they do it mm -hmm. and they get something from it. You know, it's not just a board that says, you know, we appreciate you. It's like, well, that's obvious. We want you to know that that it's deeper than that. And I think the board does that as as simp simply put the quotes there to to give you that that to make you think. And the three things are there to get you to do some action. So we want you to think and we want you to do something. And if you do those things, we're hoping that it makes you feel better. Yeah. So doing that board is just something that, that I appreciate the opportunity to do. I know there's a lot of other people that could do it as well. I'm, I'm thankful that I get to do it and, and I enjoy doing it. It's, it's definitely a, a recharge of the batteries for me because mm -hmm. in the middle of the day, you're at home all day. <laughs> and as Shane and I have talked, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're at home all day and there's, there's no, 
there's no filter on you at home. But when you're out and you're doing stuff, you kind of have that that resocialization feel. So that's what that's what it does for me. And I hope the messages that we put out there and the the art that's behind it, the pictures are, you know, bring that inspiration to other people. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I want to make sure that everybody realizes that the boards aren't just the inspiration and the kind of well-being practices, but there's the aesthetic artistry that you're putting a lot of time and energy into, which like you said, gives you a recharge. So that's awesome. So one more, you know, a couple more things I would like to um, ask you is, do you have any advice that you would give somebody who maybe wants to find a hobby or maybe reconnect to a lost hobby? I mean, what would you tell them? Like, where do they start? What, how do they try? Well, um, I think that one of the things you said earlier was getting back to the things that you liked as a kid, mm. whatever that was. Start there. You know, um, I was a little different. Um, I already, you know, I, I already had a certain grasp of what I what I enjoyed doing. But, you know, I was I read an article the other day about how having a hobby is more needed than ever in in what we're what we're experiencing yeah. right now in life. So and and I would advise somebody to make a list, write down 20 things you'd like to do, hmm. just 20, and, and, and then give yourself a week and go back to that list. And I know this is going to be a little time consuming. A lot of people want to start today, <laughs> have it done tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, do-it-yourself things are things that you do around the house. Hobbies are something that you want to focus on, that you want to be able, you want to be comfortable doing it maybe two to three times a week, if you can. So write down 20 things. And after a week, go back to that list. Don't look at it for a week. Go back to that list and mark off 10 that either, you know, that was just, you know, that was okay, but I know I'm not going to do that. So mark off 10, get it down to 10, wait a week, go back to it after a week, mm. knock the 10 down to five. And then a week later, knock it down to two. And then, and then once you select the one, do the research, do all the things, whether it's like for me, it's painting, I'm painting miniatures and stuff. So I've watched YouTube videos and I found out what supplies I need and all of that. And once you find that one, immerse yourself in it, if you can. I mean, family and all of that, but do your best to immerse yourself in it, learn about it, know, know that that's, this is what it takes to do that. Not the creative side, like, can I paint or can I not paint? It's, do I have what, what I need to mm -hmm. do it? The creativity and all that will come when you have everything, when you have all the tools and the first one's never gonna be the best. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I know that sounds really cliche, but it's true. <laughs> you know, I can show you things that I painted uh, that I just started doing with the toys and I can show you the last one and you see a world of difference and it has nothing to do with talent. It has to do with just, you get better over time. Yeah. So as long as you're willing to get better over time, anything like that, you know, painting or drawing or whatever, 
will get better over time. And you just have to realize that and you can't get frustrated that you're not painting the Mona Lisa the next day. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. but it, it, if it's that, if it's something that's outdoorsy, um, then, then do it, you know, find out what it is you need to do. If you want to learn to, if you want to do hiking and photography, what do I need? Well, pretty much you have it. You have tennis shoes, you have clothes and you have a phone. If you have a cell phone, most likely it takes pictures. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if you don't like the way it takes pictures, then find out what, what equipment you would need to take better pictures. Or, you know, if you want to learn to rock climb, we have indoor rock climbing and then we have outdoor rock climbing groups that get together and you can learn to rock climb. And that's a, that's a, that's not only is that an interesting hobby, it's also a very physical hobby. It's not as easy as it looks. Yeah. Tried it once. <laughs> not easy. Uh, <laughs> went back to kickboxing much easier. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of things out there. It's, it's more of what is it that you, you can, you can select and that you can stick with. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why making the list and narrowing it down to the one thing, you know, you really want to do and maybe keep two in case the first one doesn't work out. You got the second <laughs> one to go to. But, yeah. but don't don't just think that tomorrow you have to be an expert at it because that's where people make the mistake. And that's in everything. Yeah. I, I So we usually end the podcast by asking, you know, the person we're interviewing, hey, is there any resources or books or websites you can send people to? But I think what you just gave us is exactly that, right? If you're looking to find a hobby, you're looking to rekindle an old passion, you got your 20 list, boil it down to two or one and just, just go do it, right? Like you said, right. straight up immerse yourself in it. So I think... That's our main takeaway. It's organically just spewed it out for us. So we appreciate that. But one thing I'm going to ask you, if somebody's interested in your podcast, they love your journey, they love your story, is there a place they could see your artwork if you are comfortable sharing? Um, I don't I do not do a lot of social media stuff. So um, unfortunately, I don't have a website or anything like that. This is, for me, art has become kind of a, a personal thing and it's it's shared with an inner circle unless you see like some original comic books that i did a, a while back you might see some art that you are going to go oh my god he actually he actually printed that um <laughs> it's gotten better over time uh you know um no I, I really don't and and i know i've gone the long way around telling you this but um i I would, you know, if anybody's interested in, in seeing something, you know, they can always reach out to me and uh, through uh, our email or or whatever. I mean, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not hard to find there. Um, I have a Twitter account, but it's it's only whenever I travel that I use it. Um, so it's pretty much dormant right now for the last year. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but. You know, I'm on LinkedIn, and if they want to reach out to me via the the phs.org email address, they're they're welcome there. Um, and okay. if if anybody wants to at one time forming a, an art group just to get together mm -hmm. once a week, and you know how did they do the wine and paint thing? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just be you know sit around and you know just draw and 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 chat. It's amazing how much you learn from people with just talking instead of formal meetings and all of that it's just inform informal things yeah. and and nothing that's that's you know we're gonna 
create masterpieces, more to get together and help each other get better. Well, I love that you, a lot of what you shared has to do with oftentimes hobbies can oftentimes lead to social connections and meeting people that maybe we wouldn't otherwise have. And we know lots of research that social connection plays more, just as important of a role, if not more in longevity than, you know, managing chronic, you know, illnesses like, you know, cholesterol or heart disease, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I think that there's an interconnectedness between, you know, connecting to your passions and your hobby, as well as how that leads to some social connection. So, you know, I like that you intertwine that theme a lot. So I feel inspired, Brian, to not not just do hobbies for the sake of, you know, like um, being perfect, but just doing it because yeah. it brings you pure, pure joy. So thanks yeah. for that today. And thanks for the conversation. Sure. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate um, the opportunity. Well, Brian, thank you. Today, we are joined by Brian Keene to talk about how creativity and art and hobbies have just had a great impact on his life, not only through his health and wellness journey, but through his professional career and the rest of his life. We thank him for providing all these great benefits and just showing us how impactful having a hobby and a creative outlet can be. And he gave us some great tips on how we can find our own hobbies and, and what we can do to tap into our, our previous child self and what we used to have great interest in. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Wellness Connections with the Solutions Group. To learn more about who we are and what we do, feel free to visit us at solutionsbiz.com.